بسم الله ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهدي الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم تسليما مزيدا اما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته tonight's lecture is a continuation from that which we discussed and our other noble brothers have been discussing and a reminder for myself and everyone else here and that is that these noble characters or the importance of having noble character it is the thing that is pleasing to Allah and we are come to a hadith of the prophet ali sallallahu alaihi that is the most weighty or heaviest thing on our scale on yawm al-qiyamah and those people that display in their speech and action noble character like truthfulness and staying away from the road paths if you're not going to give the roads their rights then these are the things that will draw us closer to Allah and like we said yesterday it will definitely change our households and our societies so therefore yesterday we left off on a tremendous hadith but before we got before we went there uh we informed everybody that those those companions in this chapter uh was Abdullah ibn Mas'ud just the first one that we may mention and that was the hadith alaykum bis siddiq and inshallah ta'ala that which will aid us and the reason why we do this is because we live in a non-muslim society and everything is surrounded around praising those people that don't have iman and being like those people that don't have iman whether they are stars or athletes or other than that we have to gear our children and raise our children and, and also cultivate ourselves upon following the footsteps and loving those people that Allah is what Jesus says laqad radiyallahu anil mu'minin that Allah is pleased with the believers meaning the companions So yesterday we went over a narration of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud and for a footnote his name is Abdullah ibn Mas'ud ibn Ghafir ibn Habib al-Hudali and his kunya is Abu Abdurrahman min as-sabiqin awwalin wa min al-kibar al-ulama min as-sahaba he was the foremost that accepted Islam the early ones that accepted Islam and he is from the senior scholars of the 
companions of the Prophet and Umar ibn Khattab, he commanded him to take charge over the city in Iraq, Kufa. And Kufa, as we know, the last companion that died in Kufa, his name was Abdullah ibn Ufa. And there was another famous city named what? Basra. And the last companion from the companions of the Prophet that died in that city was Anas ibn Malik, the one that was raised 10 years in the blessed house, that is the house of the Prophet Anyway, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud he died the 32nd year after Hijrah or the year after that. And he died in Medina. And he died and he was 60 some years of age. And the Qutb al collected 848 hadith from him. Even though his number is small, his knowledge was vast. And he, like we said, he memorized 70 chapters from the Book of Allah from the Prophet. And he was one of the individuals that used to teach the Qur'an that the Prophet instructed the people should take the Qur'an from him. And also in the Musnad of Imam Ahmed, there are 899 hadith under the name of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. Ittafaqa ala Bukhari and Muslim agreed upon 64 hadith. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, his wife's name was Zainab al-Thaqafiyah. And we said that Abdullah ibn Mas'ud as well as Abu Sa'id al-Khudri, both of them wives were named Zainab. Like who else? Like the Prophet والسلام, he had two wives named Zainab. The reason why we make mention of that because unfortunately some of our wives, they hate, I'm not naming my daughter Zainab. I'm not naming my daughter Aisha. I'm not naming my daughter Khadija. Why? And we should be happy to name them these type of names because they were from the most nobles women in society. And we see that Fa'isha radiallahu anha, people from the small, middle age, and elder, they used to come to her, seeking knowledge from her. Especially her nephews used to come to her, come to her seeking knowledge. Uh, also, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he had a brother named Utbah, and he had two sons. One of them is Abdul Rahman and the other is Abu Ubaidah. And we see that the Sunnah of the companions that his brother will name his son after his uh, after his brother. And likewise Abdullah Mas'ud, he also have another son named Utbah, and he named it after his brother. Also, we went over a companion named Abi Hurairah radiallahu anhu. This is just a reminder so we can fall in love with these companions and continue to search more about them before we start. Abi Hurairah radiallahu anhu, we know that he accepted Islam the seventh year after Hijrah. 
And he only stayed with the Prophet three years. And the Qutb al-Siddha collected from him 5,784 hadith. 5,374 hadith. Bukhari and Muslim agreed upon 325. And in the Musnad of Imam Ahmed is 3,848 hadith that Imam Ahmed collected in his Musnad. Abi Huraira radiallahu an, he stayed with the Prophet for three years and he was from Yemen. Uh, the famous town is Ma'arib. He was from Ma'arib. And uh, they're pretty rough people. Now in these. Uh, also, uh, Abi Huraira radiallahu an, uh, he died in Medina and he was 78 years of age. 78 years of age, but before he died, he prayed over Aisha radiallahu anha, who died shortly before him. And some of the sons that he have, he have a son named Jafa, Muharra, and he has a daughter that was married to Saeed ibn Musayyib, and his daughter was very gifted in dreams. She can interpret dreams. And we said that this is a law science. And also, inshallah ta'ala, that we always make mention of Abdullah ibn salam when the Prophet filing came to Medina, and he saw the Prophet from the very first glance, he knew that the Prophet wasn't a liar. So this also science is forget, uh, forgotten. And that is, you can just look at a person and determine what type of person because of their facial structure. This is lost. Also, we went over Sa'ad ibn Malik ibn Sinan ibn Ubayd and Ansari Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu an, who came to the Prophet alayhi salatu salam when he was 14 years of age and wanted to fight, fight in the battle of Uhud and the Prophet turned him away because he was too young in age. So therefore, it goes back to us. Are we really raising our children upon Kitab and Sunnah? That's what we have to examine ourselves. Because the streets are filled with youth. And the massages are filled with grown-ups. We have lost our youth to society. And just like before most of us accepted Islam, we used to do everything and get fly and do everything to be or to capture the opposite, if you know what I'm talking about. Likewise, we should have that zeal to go out and to call the youth to Islam. And that's why we benefit from Sheikh Abdul Razak. He said there was a guy from India and he called, he called a thousand people to Islam one by one. And he studied the people that come to the that came to the park or came to certain locations. If it if it resembled that they was depressed, 
he would take advantage of their opportunity and call them in his, to Islam. And he said, Sheikh Abdul Razak said, if it went more than five minutes or ten minutes, most likely that individual will accept Islam. When they accept Islam, he took them to the nearest masjid and he told the imam of that masjid, you are responsible for educating this individual. Where are the zeal that we have, especially during these days and time when we have a lot of problems amongst the Salafi, we're fighting one another and our youth are on drugs. Our women just want to pull their hair out because their husband are all night long dealing with the fitna and forgot about his wife have rights, the road have rights. Remember Salman and the noble lesson that he taught Abu Ad-Darda, that he used to fast all of the time, he used to pray all the time, and he didn't get his wife the rights that she needed. And Salman educated him in the most handsome and beautiful way because it was built upon the Sunnah. This is what we left. And that when we see someone like in our famous places that people like to brag about. And we can't take nothing away from it as it relates to that. Because in some incident, Allah have raised that place in the West. But, we should constantly also reflect, if Allah have given you something, that you should constantly reflect on the statement of the Prophet That is real beneficial for all of us. And that is that Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhumah called Kana Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam meaning the Prophet used to always say Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min zawalatin ni'matik Oh Allah we ask you not to allow the ni'mah that you have given us, mainly Tawheed and the right Aqeedah and then the other things. And anyone want to reflect on the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, go to the chapter that is called the chapter of the blessings, Nahr, the 16th chapter. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts off with this, calling the people to the worship of their Lord. Why? Because if you believe that He is the Lord, then after that Allah start laying out those things that He have given His servants. For one ultimate purpose, so that we can gratify or we can show uh, gratitude and thanks to the one that created all of those blessings. And that's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So no doubt about that place, it has some good. And any other place that call to call Allah qar rasul but often time we forget of the ni'mah that Allah have given us and we take it for granted. 
And you'll see that the youth that are coming in a masajid or coming in this masjid, you'll see that the elders, they are real harsh to the children. Get in the back of the lot. Why are you blind? Put your phone away. Is that the character of the Prophet ﷺ? We see another hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, حَقُّ Muslim عَلَى Muslim sitta. That the right upon a Muslim, upon an, uh, right upon another Muslim are six. Even though it's more, but the core of the brotherhood is six. Just like... The core that takes someone out of Islam are ten. But that which takes one out of Islam, it reaches up to 400 things or more. And some of the scholars say that if you fornicate with a woman and you say Bismillah, it expel you from Islam. So the thing is, some of the people they are saying from the other hadith Wanashi Yusallam ala that the one that is walking give it to the one that is sitting and the one that is young give it to the one that is older and you have all of these youth there I mean the old the elders there walk past the youth. He have to give me the salams first. Yeah, that's your right. But what about the other hadith that the Prophet used to love to initiate the salams with the sibiyan? The youth, the youngsters. Oh, we forgot about that hadith. And you'll see in certain places that they scared, they actually scared the youth away. But if you got money, or you're a gangster, or you got big muscles and you know how to flex it, you'll see the people running to those individuals. Even the people of knowledge, they want to get close. I don't know their intent. But the youth that come to the masjid every single day, trying to please Allah, you'll see that they have the roughest with those individuals. But that one that is flashing the money, or that one that is spending the money, I give a thousand dollars, yeah I give three hundred dollars, I give five thousand dollars. You'll see them people sliding over this way. But those youth, you'll see them with their swords and their fists ready to admonish them. But we forget that the Prophet when his grandsons were praying, when he was praying and they were playing on him, he delayed the sujood so he can give them an opportunity to play. So we want to flex our muscles. You must have a strong aqeedah. You must have tawheed. That's right. But it goes to show you that your aqeedah, your tawheed is faulty because the Prophet had the best aqeedah and he never demonstrated or displayed himself in that fashion. So what effect is in 
emphasize in Tawheed and Aqeedah if you don't see the benefits in your society? Who wants a tree that doesn't have fruits? I want a tree. If I see that, I want to grab it right now. That mango tree, that banana tree, I want that. I don't want to walk past no tree that doesn't have fruit. There's no benefit for me. Quote unquote. So the thing is that we have to benefit from this. Abu Sa'id al-Khudri, 14 years of age, coming to the Prophet, wanted to fight, meaning wanted to make sure that Allah's name is the highest. And everything is underneath of that. Now how are we going to get that of you scaring the children away from the massages? Get out of here! I'm going to tell your father. No, once you educate him, and us, and just because your children come to the masjid, it doesn't mean every time they get in an argument, you got to race to their rescue. No, sit back and relax and see what are they going to do so that you can educate how they interact with the people of their age or older or much older or younger. Sit back and relax. But that's the problem with our society. Even though the hadith is weak, but the meaning of Sheikh Salif Ozan said is authentic. Al-Hikmah Being quiet is from wisdom. When Luqman al-Hakim, he wanted to know what Prophet Dawood was making. He couldn't understand what he was making. He didn't rush and ask him. He observed and he said, oh, the sword go in there. We so quick to command good and forbid evil, we are losing all of our community. We can command good and forbid evil, but when it's with us, our wife said, well, did you pay the bills? Well, why are you still sitting here? It's fudge time. Well, did you, uh, 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 we need grocery. I just came home. I'm tired. Well, can you go up and give me some milk? Uh, the baby is crying. Well, I'm tired too. Why don't you get up? But yet we stroll down the street, I'm Salafi. Now all the action you just performed, tell me what book. You know, Nasai collected that? Well, oh, is that in the Musanaf of Abdul Razak, Al-Sanani? Or is that in Bayhaqi? Where, where is that collected at? So we can read about this and implement it. Because Allah will never love us until we follow the Prophet in totality. So we make mention of these magnificent companions to encourage us to study more about them and to pattern our life after them. Because there's no success 
except by following their methodology. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us firm. The last hadith that we made up, which we left off on, is the hadith of Muawiyah radiallahu an, that the Prophet says, the mean of Allah subhanahu Allah wants good, then he give him the understanding of this religion. فَالْقُرْآنْ أُنزِلْ بِالْدَعْوَ إِلَى الْمَكَارِمِ الْأَخْلَاقِ The Qur'an was sent down to perfect the noble character. And if you don't have noble character, you don't have the understanding of your religion. Let's look up straight across the board. We have a Muslim and we have a non-Muslim. The Prophet said, do you know what is backbiting? They said, Allah is messing out knows best. He says, backbiting, dhikra akhaq bima yakra. To mention about your brother that which he disliked. So can you backbite a kafir? Dhikra akhaq bima yakra. To mention about your brother that which you dislike, your brother. Is a kafir your brother? No. So the answer to the question, can we backbite a kafir? Yes. Provided it doesn't reach the level of oppression. Shaykh Muhammad uh, ibn Thaymeen rahimahullah ta'ala says, al-dhulamat yawm al That the people that oppress people on yawm al is going to be levels and degrees of darkness based on your sins and your oppression. That you can see. So he said, yes, you can backbite a kafir, but if it reached the level of oppression, you can't even backbite a kafir. So this is another understanding. Whoever Allah wants good, He give them the understanding of their religion. If we don't sit with the ulama, how can we get this understanding? If you are one that boasts and brag that we know the ulama, and you all don't know the ulama, now how are we want to understand this religion? We only get closer to the early matter say, I know them. He know my first name. Or is that showing off? That Allah is what Jalil informs us. And that the early man informs us that there are certain people that if they don't make Tawbah from it, you must be punishing the hereafter for it. It's a must. One of it is showing off. Because Allah is going to say, you recited the Quran. He said, yeah, I recited the Quran for your pleasure. And Allah is going to wipe it out. You recited that book, or you led that salat, so the people can say that you are a reciter. Or you fort so the people can say, He got muscles! <laughs> he know how to flex! Man, I... You say, how you throw that? Now, don't make toba for that and see what Allah have in store for all of us.
No mercy. Drag them to the hellfire. So how you using the early man against people that's from Ahlul Sunnah? We know the older man, and you don't know him. You don't have a connection with him. You can't get close. Is that is that what the prophet did? Because in this chapter, it teaches us always to be that which the prophet was commanded to do is to show humility. And do not exceed the limit, and do not be boastful. Shaykh Muhammad ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala, he brings up a very interesting point in Kitab al-Tib, in Sahih Bukhari, about not going in the lands that have plagues, and not running out of those lands. He brought a, a very inter, uh, uh, interesting point about Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu who was the second one in charge after the death of the Prophet. That's status. That's nobility. That's honor. To be raised like that, And all it takes is seconds for Allah to take it away from you. Look at Shaykh Rabi'ah before we go on to the point of Umar ibn Khattab. Look at Shaykh Rabi'ah, Habibullah Ta'ala. He said during the time of Imam Sana'ani, there was a, a huge amount of people coming to visit him. After his death, it stopped. That was in Yemen, it stopped. And that wasn't, how you say, reciprocated or revived until Sheikh Mubil rahimahullah ta'ala got back there. And all of those years of work and educating the people upon Tawheed and teaching his, teaching his students that the most beloved thing to all of us call Allah and call Rasulullah. That's it. And every week, he used to send about 400 people from his students out to various places on Thursday night so they can give the khutbah and give classes on the weekend and then come back and go to different villages and go to this masjid and that masjid and its masjid. And what did they used to do? They used to go to all of the deviant masjids as long as that deviation didn't take them out of Islam, pray there after the salah. Can I give a, 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 a little word? And they, most of the time they say yeah. And it's amazing. That's how people like to use the word. It's amazing that people have these statements in their books that Sheikh Rabir went to a place in Sudan and used to go to masjid to masjid and give dawah and used to go to the Sufi masjid but yet if a Salafi come to another Salafi masjid and he's quote unquote not recognize, he won't allow him to give a speech and call to Allah and his messenger, and he knows he's upon Salafia. But yet you got in your book that Shaykh Rabir did that. 
That's amazing. So my point is, Sheikh Mukbil used to send all of these people out. And he used to pay for it. Or people used to aid him. That was religious. And everywhere around the world, they came to Yemen. Even if it's a one day, I must see the Sheikh. Because his methodology, it gave nourishment to the heart. Because it was Kitab and Sunnah al Salih. And he encouraged one another to sit with the early map. And a person of that status, that was a student of Al-Abani rahimahullah ta'ala, he said one time he put a hadith that was on a board that was weak. And he went back to correct him. But he was so shy because of the knowledge in his age that he couldn't correct the sheikh. And look at our actions and how we interact with one another and how we flex our chests out. No one knows you from the early now. So Sheikh Mukbil built this and built it and built it and all of these people came. So I said all of that for you to focus on one thing. How many years did it take him to build that tower? And when his chair was given to Hujuri, and because he used to say Sheikh Rabir, and his students after that start to say Rabir, Rabir. And you'll have a guy that his age or 14 years of age stand up and say poetry, refute and shake Rabir. And in matters of years, Allah wiped that place away. So Shaykh Muhammad ibn Uthaymeen and the book of medicine in Sahih Bukhari, he said, look at Umar ibn al-Khattab. That, when it's a plague, you have to stay in that location, and if you win it, you can't run out of it. Because it's a, you can't go out because it's a plague. You have to stay in. A man of his status. He called for the muhajirin. Because they were the first ones to accept Islam. And they were the elders in Islam. And he asked them, what is your opinion? Look at the humbleness. A person of that status asked them, what, are, what, what is your opinion concerning it? They disagreed. So he said, call the answer. Look at the level. He started with the ones that are the most virtues to the one that have virtue. He put it in their order. Then after that, they disagree. And he called the elders from Quraysh. And they gathered together and they unanimously agreed upon the situation. 
So I said all of that to say this. If we don't give the people that right, and first and foremost give Allah his right, how can we be successful in our houses and in our communities? If we like to beat one another and break one another down to share the same belief, how can Allah continue to bless us? Allah is just going to humiliate us and wipe us out. Allah doesn't need us, we need Him. It's a nirmah that He allowed us to adhere to Dawah to Salafia. But we take it for a joke. I know the early man, you don't know him. I ate with the shake. <laughs> he gave me a piece of bread. But we forget if we pick up the Quran, Allah says, and how many nations before that we destroy that were stronger than you in strength? Stronger than you in wealth. Stronger than you in everything. Can you see any traces? Can you see them? So if we're not compassionate with one another, and we're not encourage one another to learn our religion, and to implement our religion, and to call the people to the have the zeal. That when you look at that person, that person is astray unless they have those four characteristics. Allah swore by time. Why? Because it's valuable to man. So if you don't want to be lost, you have to have belief and you have to have righteous deeds and you have to help one another truthfulness and you have to be patient with one another. We're not patient with our brothers, we're not patient with our children, we're not patient with our wives, and we're not definitely patient with the kufar. You give them dawah, oh, go to hell. Then why you give them dawah? We have to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us the understanding of this religion. The Prophet alayhi salatu salam, he says, and Abi Ad-Darda radiallahu an, qal, qal Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, ma min shay'in fil mizan afqab min husnu khulat, akhrajhum Abi Da'u tulmidhi wa sahuhuhu. The Prophet said, there is nothing more weightier or heavier on the scales than good character. Sheikh Salih Fawzan says, هَذَا فِيهِمْ فَضْلُ حُسْنُ خُلِقُ وَحُسْنُ خُلِقُ صِفَتْ يُؤْتِيهَا اللَّهُ عَزَّ وَجَامِهِ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ He says, this is the virtue of good character. And good character is a characteristic that Allah only gives the, to those people that He wants to give to. ذَلِكَ فَضْلُ اللَّهُ يُؤْتِي مَنْ So he'll give that person. Yani, يَتَعَامِلْ مَعَ النَّاسِ بِالْرِفْ 
He will allow that person to deal with people, Muslim or non-Muslim, the ones that know, the ones that don't know, with kindness and compassionate. How many people try to educate their children? If you do it in a rough way, they won't accept it. The Prophet the most extensive events in the Quran about the, that happened to any nation was the nation of Musa. Extensive, more extensive than anything, any other prophet. When Allah, when Allah sent him to go to Fir'aun, He told him to say a word that is kind. So likewise, if we see a gangster or someone is bad, we're not going to put our muscles against his muscle. I can beat him. No. We want to say a word that is kind. Because when you do that, it's going to flex him up. But if you use wisdom and be kind to him, then that's better. Remember the Prophet The one that is strong is not the one that can wrestle somebody. I got you. No, but the one that is strong is the one that can control himself when he is angry. That is the noble character. So anyway, he says he'll deal with them with kindness. And also he'll be patient with them upon their hardships. And he will uh, he will answer their questions. All of that is from good character. And those noble deeds that we just mentioned, it is it weighs or make the scale heavier in the favor of the slave on that day. And with that Allah have praised His noble messenger by saying that you are on the most highest and noblest character. من الله لنت لهم ولو كنتم فضلا فضلا غليظ قلب الله عز وجل لن فضل من حولك الله عز وجل may mention that if you was harsh with your companions then they would have flew or they would have ran, or they would have detached themselves with you. And remember, when the Prophet, when the man came in the back of the masjid that is narrated by Anas ibn Malik, and he urinated, and then the companions, they wanted to get this individual, and the Prophet told him to leave him alone, and allow him to continue to urinate. And one narration, the man said, even though this wording was wrong, but we see... What he meant, he said, may Allah have mercy on me and Muhammad and no one else. Indicating that what? Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa was extremely compassionate with him. 
Likewise, the prophet was extremely compassionate with his companions. I mean, excuse me, with his wives. So, for husn al-khulab yahtaj tayyab. So good character, you need a scholar to be able to teach us, or we need a scholar to be able to teach us the noble characters. So that's why it's not good just always to read books, because when you put the book down, you won't get anything extra. But when you sit with the scholar, you will see how he interact with people, how he smile at the people, how he greet the people, how he gets stern when people are playing games, how he know different people based on their questioning, based on their interaction. You'll get more benefit with the scholar than reading a book. Y'all with us? So, we need to sit with the scholars. And there is a great need for people to call to Allah, commanding good and forbidding evil. And also, All of the Muslims are in need of trying to make their scale heavy by being compassionate, by making sure that you don't misunderstand people, by giving people their rights to the end. All of this we are in need of. And also, it is required for the man to be patient with his wife. His wife might be going through something. The immediately that comes to his first mind is get a second wife. I'm not saying you can't get a second wife. But that shouldn't prompt you to get it like that. If your wife is going through something, educate her. She probably is not getting it because you're not educating her right. And we know a woman is emotional. If she have 10 mistakes, only correct three of those mistakes. Because she can't carry or bury all of those corrections. And also we have to be patient with the children. Not all of the children are on the same level. Not all of your wives are on the same level. Being patient with the wife, teaching her how to be obedient and to remain upon obedience of Allah. Some of us only know how to be patient with our wives on their first night. And then our wives 20 years later said, you know, you only felt me one time in our marriage. I wonder, no, what was that about? Also the children, be patient with them and educating them. Educate them even if it's five minutes. Take your wife every day or your children every day for a walk. Utilize that time, a half an hour, 15 minutes. Don't let anyone disturb that time to take them from a walk. 
And y'all develop your relationship. Because us as brothers, we spend hours with brothers or hanging out with the crew. But we won't put that much time in hanging with our wives. Racing with our wives like the prophet used to race with Aisha. Playing with our wives, taking our wives on trip. The prophet used to tell them, put their names in the bag and see which one have it. We left, we left all that behind. That doesn't exist. Uh, there's no Sahih Bukhari hadith on, and Bukhari on that there. Or a Muslim. Uh, that doesn't exist no more. Because we are amazed and astonished about how the Kafirs treat their people. They don't treat their people because they don't have no happiness. The other thing inshallah ta'ala is al-hayat. As the Prophet ﷺ, he said, we want to end on this one, Al-Hayat min al-Iman. Shyness is from Iman. Shyness is from Iman. That's a noble characteristic that not too many women have, and perhaps a lot of men may not have. I'm sorry about that. Y'all of us? Shyness is the thing that prevents you from disobeying Allah. You are shy. Allah is watching you. You can't do it. And I hate to bring it up, but us as fathers or us as married men, we don't like those women that are shy. We like those to the end women. Those women that are shy, it turns us off. These are the women that are noble. That prevent them from doing certain things. They feel shy. They feel scared in front of Allah. Likewise, those women that's raised up in an Arab country, they have to teach the woman from here that don't know how to be shy. Because we don't even know how to treat our guests. No woman will be shy. Someone asked them, are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Yesterday I watched, it was better for us that the youth serve the elders. The elders sitting around. What about the women? Those women serving the elders. Shyness is a noble characteristic. But one thing Sheikh Salih Fozan may mention, that their shyness didn't prevent them from commanding good and forbidding evil or asking the people of Ahmed What is the proof? The woman came and she said, Concerning the woman that bleed excessively. What is her state and what does she have to do to the end? First of all, she sought out the best person that is worthy of answering that question. She came to the prophet.
But it didn't, put, it, it didn't allow her to overstep the boundaries. Some of our women, we see in the out of country, we see that they always like this. But in the supermarkets, they right in front of you. They bust right in front of you, shoulder to shoulder. But what happened to that? Where's the, where's the tatbiq of the hadith? Some of the, our Muslim women from here, you'll see men, and you'll see that they are the loudest in the street. Where the companions of the, 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 the companions' wives, and their daughters, and their mothers, and their aunts, when they used to walk down the street, they used to walk so close to the wall, that is as though their wall, their, their garment was scraping against the wall. Even the companions, they were shy. As it come in other of a mufrat, some of the ulama, they say the hadith is weak. They said that the companions, they came, when they came to the Prophet, huh? from the ayat, لا ترفعوا أسواتكم فوق صوت النبي Do not raise your voice above the Prophet. When they came to the Prophet house, they used to knock on the door with their fingertips. Because before they used to say, Yo, Muhammad, come on outside. You can't treat Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa like that. You have to treat him with respect. And so, so much that the Prophet educated them like that. When Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anh, when Abu Musa saw some people practicing bid'ah in the masjid, and Abdullah ibn Mas'ud was the, the knowledgeable one in that area, he went out of the masjid and he saw a group of people sitting in the sitting around the house of uh, Abdullah bin Mas'ud. And he asked them, "Did he come out?" They said, "No." And he just sat there. When he came out, he told them what was what was being practiced in the masjid, showing you the respect and how to humble yourself in front of Ahlul Ilm. In our situation. When the people get close to the people that have knowledge in our community, they start to disrespect them. So my, so a reminder to myself and everyone else here, these ahadith are made to be implemented and to be understood in a proper context. Please implement it for myself and everyone you hear. This is how our community will grow, will beneficial fruits. Like we discussed yesterday, sitting in the roadways, if you're not going to command good and forbid evil and stop the harm and lower your eyesight and give the salams, when you are discussing your daily affairs, you're not going to do what the Prophet commanded you to do. And you sitting in a wrong place. You're going to see our communities going down and down and down and down. So we ask Allah to forgive us of our sins and decrease us in good. We ask Allah to bless this blessed masjid. And to continue to bless it. And to uplift the youth and protect our elders and allowed us to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he's pleased with all of us.